Oh, now I get it. Okay. <laughs> Hello okay. and welcome to the Pants Party Podcast. I am your host, Harrison Starr, joined as always by Ben Ross. Ben, what's going on, man? Uh, nothing. I hope I can get the natural sound of cicadas roaring, roaring through here. We got the windows open, blinds uncovered. Um, I'm wearing pants because it's the Pants Party Podcast, but uh, that's about it. You mentioned pants. I'm not wearing pants. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not wearing pants. A liar, liar. <laughs> I, I'm so weirded out because like sometimes I'll just randomly wear jeans from like 8 o'clock until now and, and now being 8 p.m., so a full 15 minutes. No, I'm kidding. Eight in the morning. So like a full day of jeans just for no reason. I don't get it, Ben. What's going on with me? Absurd. Absolutely absurd. I I sometimes find myself like changing outfits throughout the day because I, I vacillate between casual and business. I, whatever passes for business casual now. And then a lot of times I like I'll leave the house and go for a walk or a run or work out and then. I won't shower, so then I'll have to. I'll be working shirtless, and then I'll have a call, so I have to put on a shirt that I don't mind getting a little bit gross. So sometimes coworkers are seeing me in three different shirts a day, and they got questions. I. But that being said, I guess I digress. I never put on pants. Yeah, ever. always the elastic ever. waistband or just shorts, or both. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I need to get more of, it's the, the Patagonia shorts. I need I need more of those. I have one pair of those. I have a pair of, like, Nike sweatpants shorts, and those are, like, the two go-to. Those are the, the perfect combination of you only have to see maybe from my chest up. I'm just going to wear these shorts all the time, but they're always dirty because my child is all over the place if you can if you can if you can spend some money on chacos you can get yourself a nice pair of a lulus i got a couple of those i recommend ah got a couple of other brands i'm okay with that i like um that i won't plug but the 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 athleisure workwear that's all the money i spent on a wardrobe the past 18 months so i wouldn't feel bad about spending what i do on I don't know. On a weekend, and I would on a pair of shorts. <laughs> That's a great point. That's a great point. The the thing you talk about spending money. The thing that I'm so ready to be done with is spending money on baby formula because holy crap, that stuff is so expensive. But it comes at like a figurative cost because I know this child, all he's going to eat is formula. But once he comes off of it. And it's like real food. And then you have to do the work of making these tiny little toddler meals. Sometimes it's worth it to spend ungodly sums of money on baby formula, but also not uh, just, I'm ready for that to be an expense. That's no longer part of our lives. When do they stop? When do you get them off formula? Um, into a year is my understanding. So he's like starting to eat more real food, but he doesn't like get any calories from it because it just like sits in his mouth and then you'll go and hang out with him an hour after he had a grape 
and his grape is still in the side of his mouth. Um, a cut up grape in quarters. So just not trying to choke my child. Um, but that's just the way they operate. So, uh, year is ideal. Um, unless you do this, we we don't need to be a baby podcast, but there, there are ways to get your child to eat food earlier. He just hasn't necessarily taken to it. I'll remember to ask you in 10 years when I have a child. <laughs> yes. Yes. That'll be, that'll be, that'll be the day. That'll be the day. Anything else? Coincidentally, I am wearing, I am wearing my uncle t-shirt that my sister got me for Christmas. It says uncle. Oh, nice. So have you worn um, it out? Has, that's about, has that gotten no, you started any good conversation starters? I will not leave the house wearing this t-shirt. No. Yeah. That makes sense. I need, I need to figure out if, uh, did I miss a birth? Okay. Sorry. My brain's going a thousand different <laughs> directions. <laughs> Not- you'll, you'll get my, you'll get my birthday again in six months. Don't worry. Perfect. Perfect. You can c- catch it on the way back. Yeah. I will. I will. Um, so Ben, it's been a week in Hawkeye sports. Um, we had some discussion about, uh, the draft leading up to it. I think, I was more optimistic that they would get drafted than you were, if I can remember correctly. Um, And I will say, I think Wieskamp went a little later than I thought. I was thinking there might be some first-round buzz for him, uh, but 42nd, and then Luca Garza, 52nd, if I remember correctly. And big time. It's exciting, isn't it, Ben? Time's up, Mason Plumley. Luca Garza is uh, occupying your your locker, I guess. Right? Um, I was never had a doubt. I think that Garza was getting drafted. And I guess um, if Luis Camp went higher than Garza, then I, I am the fool in that sense. I suppose. I think at early odds, I was probably I think I was skeptical of Luis Camp, but. Um, uh, he put up some good combine numbers, I think, and his wingspan was something that was pretty impressive that they couldn't look away from. It's funny, I think you brought up, and then I just don't follow the NBA, so I forget, you know, the first two rounds. I mean, everybody gets drafted. There's only two rounds, like some bum from Nebraska got drafted, you were saying, or who's no way better than Garza or Wieskamp even. And uh, before we can digress on that, I, I can say I think two really good organizations. Well, actually, I don't know anything about the the Pistons. I know they're kind of uh, trending up. I um, was looking at their coach in the roster after they got drafted in the Spurs, the Spurs, although I, they haven't been the Spurs since they've been the Spurs, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny because I'm actually wearing my San Antonio Spurs shirt uh, today. And that was planned. It, it was. It, wasn't until it was like I thought, oh, maybe I'm going to change shirts, but back on fashion. I, I guess I'm just going to wear this shirt all day. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the Spurs, since they lost Kawhi Leonard in that drama, they, they just haven't been able to maintain the the level of. Uh, I don't know what the right word. They, they just haven't been able to be at that championship level um, without Kawhi Leonard, which is a high level, to be fair. Um, but they still have, you know, the same tenets of development and focus there, uh, in a way that not 
a whole lot of NBA teams do, although I think they're probably getting a little more into it um, because you do see Joe Wieskamp's pop up all the time. Um, uh, they're lazy comparisons because they're all kind of tall white dudes, but like Duncan Robinson wasn't even drafted. He spent months with, you know, the Miami Heat's G League team um, in Sioux Falls and, you know, the, the, their sh- you, shooters like Joe Wieskamp are probably going to have as good a chance as anyone. And I think his athleticism is really something that definitely shocked me. I wasn't prepared for him to put up those combine numbers that he did um, simply because it always felt like, man, can he just be 10% more athletic? I think I've said that on here before, and um, he did. And I was watching a little bit of his uh, summer league game before hopping on here. Barn burner that one was 4-0 after uh, like four minutes. Joey's camp was, but he's gunning though. It's going to be a totally different situation for him because I actually think with the number of possessions, the speed of the game, in summer league, he is going to get up so many shots that it's going to be different than kind of what you're used to seeing from Wieskamp because he's this pretty consistent, you know, 12 to 18 point scorer. But when he's feeling it and if he's going, he's just going to shoot, shoot, shoot in a way that if you keep up with summer league might be fun to watch because I think the most points he scored for Iowa was maybe 30 points one time. Um, We'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if he has a game like that in Summer League uh, over the course of the next month. <clears throat> uh, I mean, maybe uh, I'm obviously undervaluing and underestimating the Summer League, but I feel like maybe lots of guys could go and have a 30-point game in the Summer League. But That is probably but, a fair assessment. <laughs> yeah. But um, I guess then... I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know anything about the NBA. So then, I mean, for Garza, it seems like his his path to playing time might be a little bit more clear. If they're clearing out, people would be competing. He'd be competing minutes for but the same day he gets drafted or the next day, right? Yeah, so I saw it looked like David Eichel, I think it was. Um, he tweeted that uh, their starting center, Isaiah Stewart, who they drafted last year, the year before, he's got an injury. So he's going to miss... Uh, summer league which probably means it opens the door for Garza to go in and do Garza's thing for who knows like I mean Garza is so fascinating because we know how good of a scorer he is but will will his athleticism or lack thereof really be viewed negatively or be exposed in like a summer league type environment to where he's really kind of got a he's not able to get a ton of minutes I, who knows? I mean, that's just, to me, that's just a genuine question. I actually think you'll probably be fine as an NBA defender for 15 minutes tops a game, uh, just because it's so different with the athletes that he'd be playing with versus the athletes he was playing with at Iowa, the schemes being a little more locked and loaded, but he he does this kind of have heavy feet and I, I don't know how you shrink those. So, that, I mean, that's the big question is, like, will his offense outweigh 
his defensive deficiencies. I personally think he does. Like I can't, I was reading the Pistons blog comments like a loser, but someone was like, he's an 82 game player versus a 16 game player. Meaning he's going to be the type of guy who brings it every single night in the regular season. But when it's the playoffs and you know, there are mismatches to be had, he's going to be picked on. Uh, so I, I think that's actually a really fair assessment and um, maybe that's his ceiling as an NBA basketball player, but still that's a, ceiling a lot of people don't have so um very curious to see how it pans out for for both those guys i mean so you sound like you just need sometimes you need a middle reliever someone needs some innings and uh get you get you um over the next dump so if he can be that guy cool absolutely wish he was hmm? Wish he was going somewhere. Wish he was going somewhere where that had like maybe a color or cooler jersey than the Pistons. So he but it could be my very first NBA jersey I'd ever own, but that's not going to happen. Yeah, um, I think the jersey to get if you're feeling it for an Iowa Hawkeye NBA jersey is the Joe Wieskamp Fiesta jersey for the Spurs. It's kind of throwback. It has the teal, the pink, the orange. No clue if they're actually available, but. That would be the one to get. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can never pull this off, but cool. Yeah, I know the the orange is tough. I mean, San Antonio. It's it's a uh, it's a lifestyle. I think. I, I think the orange yeah, might be a little too know. much. I I can handle the teal and the pink. I think it's the orange with my complexion. Uh, you know, this isn't bad. We could work out in this. No, I'm just going to have to cut off now. Okay. What's next? What? It, oh, uh, before. Yeah. Can you explain why why the Lakers want Carmelo Anthony? Is I thought he had retired. Is he still worth anything to anybody? He was actually a pretty good scorer off the bench for Portland. Um, so that was, that was one thing. Um, so, but... I don't know. I mean, if he's got the three, he can space the floor because I don't know. I mean, that's what's hilarious about the Lakers is is I think they're starting player with the best three-point shot is probably Anthony Davis. Someone will keep me honest with that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's why they want Carmelo Anthony. But those guys are so old. Who knows? Who knows? the yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and you did so mention... old. He's 37. Yeah. Yeah. I guess Anthony Davis isn't that old. He just looks old. Yeah. Um, the one thing that you alluded to that is probably worth discussing for a brief moment is... I don't even remember his name. It was the Nebraska player who was drafted ahead of, mm. oh, yeah. of okay. <laughs> uh, Luca Garza. Garza. And it just shows you how... One second. How silly... How silly the NBA draft can be sometimes. Because, like, you can get Garza, who you know 
potentially the floor of, but also potentially the ceiling of. Like my gut is he's probably a pretty stable player to project. Or you can get this six nine guy with some ball handling skills. Um, let me pull up his Ken Palm, but absolutely no shot to speak of and turn the ball over, even though he also assisted some amount of the time. And for a team that was seven and 20 and very rarely in the game, like, I mean, they somehow they they're positive on Kempom, but that's, that's beside the point. Delano Banton. And I don't mean to like slam the guy, but it's just, it's crazy to see. I mean, I've, probably already done that but like it's crazy to see just how differently the nba draft is looked at because yeah 24 percent from three last season 50 percent from two 67 percent free throw shooter but he's six nine he's long and he's got pretty pretty good handles for someone who's six nine it's just it's just what it is but Still, it's like, oh my god, crazy, crazy stuff. Oh, should we make this a weekly or maybe semi regular segment where we it's just called Dragon a Nebraska player? Dragon and a Nebraska. So, so, so (laughs) yeah, we'll probably talk about this as we get to the overs and unders, but yeah, like, should we just move to overs and unders or over unders? Sure. All right, so fine, fine. Move over my segment idea. No, no, because no, I like the idea of just finding a Nebraska player and just like some gentle ribbing. <laughs> what is you doing? Yeah, okay. Um, because as we move to over unders, this has been like my favorite thing every year. Has been Adrian Martinez Heisman Trophy odds. It's always been funny to me because there's no chance in hell. But he's always he's always on it, right? He's always on it, and once again, it does not disappoint. Plus, what is that? One hundred and fifty to one would be your uh, Adrian Martinez odds. Now, the thing that blew my mind in looking at Adrian Martinez stats as over the course of like understanding stuff and you know the research I've been doing for some opponent previews, this man led the league in completion percentage last year at 71%. I was just blown away. I think, no, he's, it's not 15. Uh, oh, it is 151. You're right. Never mind. Yeah. I, I, I wrote him differently. So he's, yeah, yeah, you did. He's a, someone that just like, it blew my mind to see him lead the, the league in percentages, even though like, I don't think he had as many attempts as a lot of guys did, but it just sh- goes to show you, the value of winning in quarterback play because Spencer Petrus, 57%. It feels like all the time it feels like, and even that feels high, but he won. And there's like some fairly positive sentiment around him as there should. But when I think of Adrian Martinez, he's just kind of a laughing stock in my head. And I wonder if like, is, do other fans think that about Spencer Petrus and do Nebraska fans have that kind of like gut reaction? Like, Oh wow. Adrian Martinez, he's back again. Um, don't want that to happen. I don't know. That was a, a rambling thought that I had around 
a Nebraska player to follow throughout this football season as a bit. Yeah, that's fair. And I think it's loosely tied to my segment proposal, which I will have a more formal review of at a later date. I don't want to talk about Tanner or excuse me, Adrian Martinez. Um, I think it happened. I think pre 2019 season, he was at like the, what happened was he's at like 15 to one preseason, right? Or something insanely, maybe not that quite egregious, but um, I'm curious. It was, was nobody listed at Iowa to win the Heisman. Yeah. So everybody, but Iowa, Yeah, I guess bringing it to Iowa is in the email I got from sports betting online at SBO. And and that's who we're going to use for this. I put a spreadsheet up so that we can embed it into the podcast thing that we do. They have one for literally every single Big Ten team except for Iowa. And I was thinking how disrespectful it is to do that because you have Brandon Peters up here with 500 to 1 odds. Anthony Russo of Michigan State, someone I've literally never even heard of, 600 to 1. And then I'm like, "Ah, maybe it's just because they just – no one went up to a window and was like, hey, what odds can you give me on Spencer Petrus winning the Heisman? But they even have like, Tyler Goodson isn't even on here. And there's Cam Porter for Northwestern. And I guess he's the only running back that was available. So like no one even went up and was like, hey, can I take a couple bucks on Tyler Goodson winning the Heisman? That that seemed rude. But um, I guess it's what it is. That was sort of my question too, is because I feel like Heisman, excuse me, I feel like Goodson is the easy pick for Iowa to, you know, to do this. What this tells me, and I, I don't necessarily believe in this, but this opens a door to conspiracy for, you know, they're not certain who's going to be playing quarterback for Iowa, but even though whoever is playing quarterback for Iowa is not going to win the Heisman, like that's a that's a fact. Um, but Brandon Peters, Ben, they have a line for Brandon Peters. Yeah. Yeah. And like I okay. said, Anthony Russo, Cade McNamara. Now the one I do 100% understand is Talia Tungavailoa. Like I would have odds on him. Maybe it makes sense mm-hmm. to have him on Sean Clifford, but like just down the line, you, if you want, I mean, this is from last week, Noah Vedral. 215 to one odds. Have fun with that. That's bad. Incredible. Incredible. Mm. But so here's the thing. Like you raise a good point. Like, do they not know who the quarterback will be? Well, you look at someone Purdue who's had just wretched quarterback turnover. Like every season it's like, Mm -hmm. he's the, probably the flip side of Kirk Ferentz in terms of, having his guy and sticking with him. Jeff Brom is like constantly searching for his guy. And as a result, Jack Plummer has, I think the highest odds other than Cam Porter, Northwestern's running back at 750 to one. Come on. Why you do your guy like that? Jeff Brom. I, d- I just found Petrus at 200 to one, but no, not nothing listed for, Goodson, um, Purdue, 
to segue into this, they I think they're going to have a tough year. Uh, I really do. Yeah. So how how do you? And I think do you just want to part? How how do you want to do the order on the over unders? I can go any which way you want. Um, it really doesn't matter to me at first. Okay. I figured I wasn't going to do my homework and just sort of guess these on the fly, but I actually ended up writing them all down and made one or two notes. Okay, sweet. (laughs) Yeah. So Purdue, you think they're going to have a tough season? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's, let's just sort of start. Let me pull up their schedule. Um, so I, wrote, <laughs> I, I put four wins and we're not going to go through game by game here. Cause I think it's four. Oh, you but know, more, I, I, I got a schedule right here. <laughs> the horrible, okay. bi- horrible. My God. I, impression. I was, re- oh, I, I thought it was Cartman. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> God, that scared me. Holy hell. Um, all right. Looking uh, first of all, I think Purdue's going to have to finally Brian Brom and company are going to have to, and Brom, Jeff Brom rather, are going to have to adjust to life without having consensus, consensus AP All American at, at receiver. Um, no more Rondale Moore. Like, sorry. Two of them and, though. They, they they still have David Bell. I thought Bell left, didn't he? No, he's still there. Oh, that's so dumb. Doesn't matter. Yeah, um, I, but say, say this is an Iowa fan who's sort of gotten their number. Um, I mean, they, they play Notre Dame. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, third game of the year. Um, and then they get, you know, Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin. And then ending the year, I just think it, it's really tough with Ohio State, North, Northwestern, Indiana. I think, you know, maybe there there's no stretches of momentum available. Uh, to Purdue there, so I have them at four wins. I know you had them, yeah, slightly I, higher. I had them at five. I have um, I think maybe the the flip that we have is avenging the Minnesota loss from last year. That's the one that sticks out. But like Purdue is one of the weirdest teams from a schedule perspective because they're willing to go out and schedule two or three Power Five or Power Five adjacent non-conference opponents so they're at UConn and Notre Dame which is chaotic like I just don't understand why you would do that and then so just it it frustrates me as someone who on an off chance might go to a football game I'm not going to a Purdue football game this year never mind um but yeah I have them at five uh I think but but that's right where their line is according to what I have um, and I think if I had to pick over or under, I would go under. That's a soft five for me. Soft five. Um, you know, I was my nickname in college, so it works out for Purdue. I don't think I just really can't imagine. Um, I will lose to them again without, I, I just can't believe it. Uh, and Rondell Moore, he hasn't. He didn't even play against Iowa last year, right? No, he but, didn't. Yeah, I mean, is this it for Jeff Brom? I, I think that that. It, no, of course not. You you don't think a four and eight season shows him the door? Um, I hope not. Who do they think they're going to get to fucking Purdue? I mean, that's. That's a question. I mean, but at some point, 
he has to get to another bowl. I mean, I, I guess I, I guess that's the the line for him, right? Is it, it's kind of like Iowa basketball, and did you get to the tournament? That's the first question that matters with Purdue football right now. Is like that binary: did you get to a bowl game, and then you can probably go down from there. So, I mean, but getting to a bowl game, that's six. Neither of us feel particularly good about it. Um, maybe they could. Maybe they could. I have them losing to Nebraska, but that uh, that's a one they could get. Or Iowa. I'm bad. Positive thoughts only, Ben. Positive, exactly. positive thoughts only. Yeah, 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 exactly. All righty. So, we went with Purdue first. Um, I think should we like go so, uh, bottom top? I, I I have, and by bottom top I mean worst to best. I have Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Um, the over under we have is four point five. I have them at just two wins. I I, I saw that again. Like they're kind of they're going to Miami, Florida to play them. That seems like a bold move, Cotton. Early. Yeah, it's too bad Mel Mel Tucker couldn't get uh, get them out of that. Uh, where is Rocky Lombardi? Didn't he transfer? That's a great question. Um, he's at he was at NIU now. Oh, it's so it's so funny, and I feel like we've had this conversation before, but we see all these guys like Oliver Martin and Rocky Lombardi. And I mean, I'm sure you can think of some others that come to mind who spurn Iowa, go for a bigger name and things don't seem to work out there. Not saying they, in Oliver Martin's case, didn't work out at Iowa either. (laughs) So. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, it just, and I think you can make, you can make, you can draw those parallels in basketball too, I feel like as well. Yeah, I mean, I think some of it just comes down to, like, the guys I was in on and, and trying to be in on. It's maybe a stretch. I, I guess it just kind of depends on, like, what, what's your example? Like, DJ Carton's a good one, I suppose. He he had mm-hmm, his mm-hmm. stuff to deal with. Um, th- yeah, he had a tough stretch. Charlie Moore, another one who ended up playing for, like, four different colleges. Um those are two that stick out for basketball, but yeah, I mean that that's a, a random, random thing to have. So, what what do you have for Michigan State over under? Because I'm way under. I have, I have them at five. Um, oh, okay, all right. There, I mean, we're 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 screaming about who's and odds for a, a five one Michigan State schedule. I just think, um. I mean, they still in their first three games or first six games of the year, they still play Youngstown State, yeah. Nebraska, Western Kentucky, and Rutgers. I mean, Mel, I like Mel Tucker. Um, he wore shorts on the sideline during a game at Colorado once. I hope he does that at Michigan State this year. Um, I, I just have to have to think that Michigan State has the horses to hopefully. You know, I, I don't think that the cover was left so bare by. Uh, D'Antonio and Co. They have a ton but of transfers out, don't years. they? Like, I mean, that's the. I, but maybe that's a good thing. I have no idea. Like, I, I, I guess. No. I mean, yeah, maybe that is a good thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have. Yeah, I, I can see five. 
And, and there's no way they actually go winless in the conference like I have them. I don't know. I, I went through this in five minutes, but I, I'm gonna I'm committed to how I have my schedule. All right, here's here's what the one I'm maybe second most excited for. Other most excited other than Iowa to talk about is Illinois. I know it. I am so in on Bill Illinois. I'm so in on it, and I I, I just can't contain myself. Please help me. So what, what did you what'd you have from? So I just have them at four. I'm four. I mean, okay. But like, I can see them being weird. Like, I can I can see like <laughs> I, I can think of no better place than for Bert to coach his first Illinois football game than Dublin, freaking Ireland against Nebraska. That that is the lock of the century. I am going to take them <laughs> for the W, and it's going to be. It's going to be one of those things that I'll forget about if I'm wrong. But if I'm right, I'm going to pound that drum for the next 18 weeks. I was right about <laughs> Illinois you're gonna, going you're gonna to, pound, to Ireland and, and winning that. You're going to pound that drum like Beals pounded six Guinnesses before the game. The, oh, my God. There he's, are, going to leave, he's going to leave three days early just to drink. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna charter a flight for himself on the way back. Yeah, you you got you guys got this going <laughs> awesome. on scalping awesome. the grass in Dublin. <laughs> There's some stories about him in Arkansas. Like now that he's gone, like this. There are stuff, stories about him in Wisconsin. Just all over the place. The the, the life that him and Alvarez. There, him and Alvarez hated absolutely hated each other. There's so much uh, stuff, and I'm I'm taking as fact about his time at Wisconsin. All right, onward. Oh, what do you have for for Illinois? Um, I, I think I had four too. Yeah, four. Right at four. All right. Yeah, yeah, I do. Alrighty. Yeah, alrighty. Um, I don't yeah, know. Dealer's choice, Ben. Who, who do you want to talk next? I want to talk about Wisconsin. Okay. Because because I don't want to talk. I just don't want. I don't want to talk about Rutgers. I don't want to talk about. Uh, Michigan, I mean, ugh, whatever. We're, we're going to talk about Wisconsin really quick because I know you have them for 10, or do you have them for 11 wins? I have them at 11. So you pretty much just think they're going to run the table after Notre Dame? No, after Penn State, they're going to lose the first, and then that, that's, oh how, my God. that's how I have it. Do you know who Notre Dame's quarterback is going to be this year? Yeah, you think they're going to let you do? It's the the old Jack Cohn. Yeah, it's Jack Cohn. You, you think Wisconsin's going to let Jack Cohn throw the ball on them? Yeah, uh, do you think Grant, Notre Notre Dame was a playoff team? Like, do we? Which I mean, we can talk about fake what, season. What that merits? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean, do you think Graham Mertz is going to do anything against? I want to say that that's banana land. I just don't buy it. 11? You don't buy 11? Or you don't buy no. how I have 11? Both. Both. Because, I mean, I don't, sure, Penn State, maybe, that, maybe they do lose that game, but they don't, they don't run the table after that. They just can't. Absolutely not. Um, maybe you're high on Graham Mertz than I am. Obviously, I'm, I'm high on their backs. The random commenter reminded me that they got a transfer from Clemson. 
as a running back. Who, Wisconsin? Yeah. Oh, that's fair. Um, but you're right. I oh, guess. Well, high. It, 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 it is the season for overreacting. So what I wanted to say, what I wanted to say, I think, and this just says more about the Big Ten is, you know, I look at their schedule, and I'm like, oh, that's a joke. And the schedule includes a team that was in the playoff and uh, our, our, our favorite Iowa who, who beat Wisconsin last year, mind you. So, and then, you know, you can talk about Minnesota was a, a, a sleeping giant last game of the year. It could be tough and Penn state or whatever, but uh, I, I think nine wins for Wisconsin feels right. I think that, yeah, I think they won the West, but that's that despite, and you know, what's that say about Iowa's schedule? If I looked at that schedule and if I looked at Wisconsin's and didn't feel that's similar. That's a great point because the difference between Wisconsin and Iowa schedule is. Um, and Iowa State could end up being a better team than Notre Dame, too. Like, would that be so unbelievable? Penn State? No, I'm saying. Oh, Iowa State? I was, in, I was, I was, so Iowa State could be better than Notre Dame. Like if we're talking about non-con matchup, that's an interesting apples point. Apples comparison. They could. I I wouldn't bet on it. And I but no, I wouldn't. Um, I'd also like to mention I will be at the Wisconsin Iowa State game played at Soldier Field this year. I got tickets. Oh, the weeks ago, Wisconsin Notre Dame. What did I just say? Wisconsin Iowa State. Yeah. What What are you going to yeah, wear? You have me all. You have me all confused. I don't. I have. I'm sitting in the. Um, Wisconsin. I'm in the Wisconsin section, so I've got I've got to wear red something. I'll probably wear a red Georgia shirt if we're being honest. Nice. All right. Yeah. So Wisconsin, you have at nine. I have at eleven. I, that might be one. There, there are two bets I feel just tremendous about, and and Wisconsin's Wisconsin's one I'm going to take to the bank. Wisconsin over. Which is what nine. Yeah, they're at eight, eight and a half, what I have. Yeah, that um, is pretty pretty cake. All righty, so I'm just going to breeze through the ones that you don't want to discuss. You don't don't want to discuss Rutgers. I have them under 4.5 at four. Um, I've met three. Uh, what were the other ones you didn't want to discuss? Maryland? Well, with Michigan, yeah, Maryland, six. But I don't know what I'm doing with Maryland. I have no idea. Yeah, I've I've five. Is that five? One, two. Did I miscount? I might miscount it. I don't know because I have them beating Illinois. Well, with Michigan, I guess I do want to talk because I had seven, and at first that felt so high, and then again you look at the schedule, and their schedule is pretty pretty cake too. But again, you look at who's easy. They got Rutgers. They got Nebraska. They got Michigan State. They got Maryland. Like. That's five. That's five. You know, should be wins right there. But again, it's Michigan. Who knows what they're going to be playing for? I don't know what. I mean, this is it. Even though Harbaugh just got an extension, I don't know what the hell they can do. If I mean, seven has to be actually like the bare minimum for him to keep his job. Yeah, because I mean, their hosts. I mean, this is kind of. And then are they playing? Is that the University of Washington they're playing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's a tough one. Another, another bold move for Cotton, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm intrigued by Michigan. I don't know why. I probably should have read Phil Steele's synopsis of them. But I just don't think 
Harbaugh goes quietly into the night. Like I, I think he's got one more season left. I think last season was so bad for them that they just won't repeat it. And their crossovers are Wisconsin, Nebraska, Northwestern. And if I'm being honest, those are two out of three are, are winnable games in my view. It's favorable. Yeah, it's very favorable. Still got, I mean, on the road, they have their worst teams on the road uh, for divisional going to Michigan State and Maryland, Rutgers at home, Indiana at home. I I initially had them penciled for a win against Ohio State, but I just couldn't do it. Just couldn't do it. Yeah, no, uh, that's foolish. All righty. So what you had them at seven is that a soft seven or hard yeah. seven because that's that's what it's i very, it's a very it's a very soft seven all right all righty so what i was gonna say well that was my nickname in college nice <laughs> um way to way to two up me incredible incredible so um ruckers you didn't want to discuss uh let's go ahead and do now we're kind of in the meat let's do minnesota minnesota again like i mean this is this I'm, is looking exactly, at, I'm looking at my list looking at my list here and i didn't put i didn't write anything down because I, I just am so averse to doing anything on minnesota i was gonna say nice something nice on tanner morgan and then i stopped myself um earlier about heisman odds yeah um I don't know. Uh, Minnesota's, I guess, I really think we'd like to talk about how Iowa suffered greatly during COVID, in term, greater than others in terms of COVID for recruiting. And I think Minnesota's probably up there because I, that's all, 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 who the fuck's your coach? That's all Fleck. roll the boat guy. That's all Fleck can bring to the table is energy in person in, in the room. Oh yeah. I can't imagine I can't imagine him being able to convince any kid over Zoom to come and come and be a Minnesota Golden Gopher. <laughs> That's such a great um point. I'm serious. It's yeah. a great point. So I really do they but the thing is they still have really really they, I think Taron Murgan's pretty good. Their offensive line is good. They still have Muhammad Ibrahim and they still have another receiver. Um another receiver I think and I don't know the first thing about their defense. I know that was a I think they got rid of coordinators midseason last year or maybe even uh they did for sure in 2019 um so yeah i i i don't know looking at this now um i count maybe uh, six wins seems seems okay i don't know anything about they play colorado and and non-con i don't know the first thing about them um but they get ohio state first game and they are kind of nice to just get that out of the way yeah Honestly, for a team like Minnesota, just just get it over with. Yeah, because like you look you look at it right after that, then honestly, like every single game after that is winnable. If you're Minnesota, they can win eight, eight game, They can win eight games in a row going into the Iowa game, easy, and be eight and one. Are you like that? And then Iowa, hopefully, is in a good place. That that would be a huge game. Yeah. I mean, and then you're just, you're not playing with any pressure when you have that one loss. Like I, I think mm-hmm. wasn't that mm-hmm. wasn't that part of the reason they lost to Iowa two years ago is they had that pressure of the big yeah. state win, carrying the undefeated season, the carryover from the 2015 season where Iowa was undefeated, 
Uh, not that probably didn't affect anything, but that was like a fan sentiment. I remember having, mm-hmm. uh, but they, they played the better. They played more of that game better than Iowa played better. It's just, Iowa got to such a good early lead that it was, if that game is 65 minutes, Minnesota probably wins. So I, I kind of think Minnesota gets Iowa this year. I at to get nine uh, wins. I don't think, but, Fuck made a huge coaching mistake in that game too. He got a sideline penalty for 15 yards. Um, so it goes back to maybe not being very good at his job, but we'll see. We shall see. Um, so let's let's close out the East. Ohio State and Penn State. I both have at 11. Ohio State's 12. They, I think, their schedule again by virtue of the Big Ten. Is just a piece of cake. I know they get or I know they play Oregon, which is a really formidable um, out of conference opponent usually, but earlier in the year, um, or you know, Oregon just lost to Iowa State, uh, four and two Oregon, your Pac twelve champion, just lost to Iowa State in the Fiesta Bowl. I, I you can't draw anything out of that, but uh, all, all I can just assume is they're not going to be as ready as Ohio State at all this year. And then after that, what's Ohio state's most difficult game, Penn state, Michigan end of the year, they don't play Wisconsin. Yeah. To me, it would be Penn state. I mean, I I, talk about the people they get out, out of division, Nebraska, Purdue, and uh, who am I missing here? Minnesota first game. Oh, Minnesota. Yeah. First game. Yeah. Talk about their out of division games. They miss Northwestern, Iowa, and Wisconsin. I mean, this to digress. Like, this remains like the funniest thing that happened as a part of the expansion stuff was when Nebraska talked their junk and wanted Ohio State. So then they make Nebraska and Ohio State the first six-year crossover, thinking like, "Oh, this is going to be a thing," and then it just they just get pants year after year. I think this is the last year for it. I mean, it's not unlike. Wait, I, is that is that a real thing? They they were guaranteed play guaranteed to play Ohio State the first six years in a row. Yeah, like Iowa has Penn State, and then Iowa goes to Rutgers. Iowa will get Rutgers the next six years after this year, I believe. I didn't know that's how it worked. That is six years is so long. Why? Because it's you get the other six teams two on and two off to okay. make that math work. Whatever. That is insane. There's got to be a, a smarter way to do that. Maybe. Uh, Penn State. <laughs> maybe. That that was a maybe of, there probably is, but you're not the one to figure that out, Ben. Uh, we can figure it out in a later podcast. And you're right. You're right. I'm not going, <laughs> I'm not going to try and fucking game, game theory this this schedule but i can tell you that if the classical was still a website there would be a post about how to really create a schedule well i mean that was what document kind of did he did the he's he's so big on the you have your three rivals and then rotating the other 10 teams so so then you'd be like so you have the three guaranteed games every year, and then you have the five that alternate, more or less. Um, it makes sense, but then what happens when first and second place 
or second and third place haven't played each other yet and or are tied. There's a tie for second place and they haven't played each other. That is not a world I want to live in until there are until there are uh, 12 college football playoff spots. So I, ha- I have Penn State at 11 and guess who I have them losing to losing to. Iowa. Micah Riley Duckers, Auburn Tigers. Oh, really? I don't know why. Yeah. I just so you see, you think you think you think they just rebound. I mean, it's so tough to take anything of importance away from last season. It really is. So honestly, I I think that very first game just like totally mind warped Franklin. Like he was just constantly searching. They couldn't figure anything out until they did the last four games. And, and their season would, was like a worse version of Iowa's where those first two games were so dumb that they lost, but they, they lost four of them, right? I think they ended up four and four. And then they come back and they just destroy everyone. Now they were playing bad teams to, to get those wins, but they still got them. So I, I think they're just poised for a, for a big season, and I and I, th- I truly think that Penn State Wisconsin is going to be one of the best games of the season that first week. Yeah, I mean, talk about week schedules. Penn State by far they might, they got to have one of the toughest schedules in the country. Yeah, you get Wisconsin and Auburn first two game, first three game, two of the first three games of the year. Then you get Iowa and Indiana back to back, and then you get and then Ohio State with, with four games left after that. Yeah, Ohio State, Michigan, yeah. Yeah, I mean they, they have a tough one. They have a tough one. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if they get eleven wins, they'd be one of the best teams in the country. I don't. I don't see that happening. I mean, I think if if they get eleven wins, and and if that if their one loss is to a twelve win Ohio State team, that's a playoff team. Like if they lose close, I was, to- I, was on, I was about to say eleven wins on the schedule, no matter who where that loss comes from. I think is a playoff team. All right. That that might be something to look at. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So we just talked Penn state, Ohio state. Oh, did you have a number for Penn state? No, I didn't because I don't know the first thing about them. I guess all right. All right. I well, did. I, I didn't. Well, I did. I just want to say Sean Clifford's still a quarterback and like, he is. Yeah. He was legit bad. He's pretty like, he was tough last year. Quarterback play in the big 10 was so weird. So weird. Um, unless you're unless you're Justin Fields. Yeah, yeah. It's like every every all the eggs went to the Justin Fields basket last year, and Adrian Martinez leading the league in freaking completion percentage. Um, so we have Indiana, Iowa, Northwestern, Nebraska. Um, left. I think Nebraska's under at at five. I have them at five. I missed a lot of teams. Um, let's see. I mean, do like Ohio is is this OU Ohio University? No, that's it's not an easy win. It's it's uh your Oklahoma Sooners. No, it's not. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So they're gonna get their they're gonna get their face kicked in, and then play. A bad but probably very aggressive Michigan State team. After that, Buffalo probably isn't 
even again. Buffalo's been great. Yeah, but their um, coach went to Kansas. I, I would like Buffalo in that mm-hmm. game otherwise. Um, this is a this is a horrible schedule. This this is tough. I mean, a horrible schedule. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Yeah, it is. What's gonna happen? They play Ohio State. Three of the last four games: Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa. <laughs> Sucks to suck. I mean, yeah, four games. Yeah. That's brutal. Seriously, five five or six games would be like maybe keep Frost <laughs> if we if we can scrap together six or seven this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I mean Nebraska, they're in Purdue territory. Like they get to a bowl, and that's a that's a huge deal. <laughs> it's like I mean, I, I don't mean to be super condescending. I only mean to be yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. It's time for Greg sooner. But man, they're not a sooner. Drag a, drag a Husker got him all over the place tonight. Drag a Husker. All right, yeah. that's Nebraska. Northwestern. Northwestern is just going to be Northwestern. Like I, I've, I've just resigned myself to that. I battle. know that stinks. I, I agree. Um, I have them at eight, uh, over seven. Um, I do have. This is what's crazy though. Is like again, their schedule is kind of easy until it isn't. Um, Michigan State at Nebraska, Rutgers in their first six, and then they go on the road to. Michigan, and they get Minnesota and Iowa and Wisconsin back to back to back um, to back. Say nothing for say nothing for Duke and Ohio to start the season either. Yeah, I, I, I'm just resigned to them being to being who they are under Fitz. They did lose their defensive coordinator. That was good news to me, I think. But it's still Pat Fitzgerald. Like, I mean, he he's a freaking magician. No, it stinks. I Dude, should, should we zag way into complimenting Fitz as a way to build good karma for uh, November 6th? Uh, another game I'll be at. Secured those tickets for that uh, this week. Um, no, I don't want to compliment Fitz. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll get there or I'll get there. Just not now. Um, you're, already, you're already there. But. I'm already there. I'm already there. So now we have I, you, and Iowa. And Nebraska is the last. No, we talked Nebraska. I, you, and Iowa as the last two. Indiana, I guess it depends on like how much do you take from last season. And to me, the most one of the most important games for each fan base I truly believe is that Iowa Indiana game to open it. Like I, I think it is horrifying to hear the rhetoric competing between Tom Allen. Who's like, yes, this is tremendous. It gives us something to shoot for. And Kirk Ferentz who was like, Oh, I don't know. Like Eeyore when talking about playing a big 10 opponent first horrified me. It's not great, especially when I think you brought up when you've owned this Big Ten opponent. I think you won six of the last eight meetings, you said. <laughs> so, like, you couldn't easily just sit out there and be out there and like, well, well you know, we feel really good about Indiana. Um, and you can still sound like Eeyore when you do that. Uh, it, it comes down to, I think, really, it is Michael Penix Jr., I think, is the Adrian Martinez 
right now. He's a flavor of the week heading into the season. Mm. And uh, even though he's coming off some ACL stuff, um, you know, there, there'd be no better game for him to shine for his senior year. Oh, than oh no. Opener. Right. Immediate Heisman favorite type of thing. Right. That's what I'm saying. But the, the thing against that is, is when, when does a quarterback go off against Iowa? Good point. I always had right. success against Ben Roethlisberger and Josh Allen, but Indiana's a better team than both those those teams. Oh, without question. Wow. Uh, yeah. Something of note. I'm thinking. I just mentioned when's the last time a oh, quarterback yeah. went off against Iowa. Um, the one I, I, I remember was a injured Trace McSorley. Who? Yeah, yeah, that, that's exactly it. That can bugs the hell out of me. All right. Um, also, no, like you go across. I don't think the Big Ten's had stronger out of conference scheduling this year because they're playing Cincinnati, a really good team. And like every single conference or every single Big Ten team has a pretty solid out of conference opponent. I noticed that too. And I think you just, it, they've finally caught up to what really the ACC and the SEC have been doing in the Pac-12 to a slightly lesser extent. And it kind of, maybe it's not too late, but it's something they should have been. I, and I think the problem is they make these schedules six years in advance. So that's kind of an issue too. But um, I think it, it, they're finally catching up with the rest of the country. And I don't love playing a conference opponent first game of the year. I, I will say, I don't like how he really adopted that. Um Especially when you consider, I get, I think Nebraska's like they're playing Southeast Louisiana in Week Ten. Like yeah. I think that's if you if you're sacrificing one for the other, that is disgusting. Um, which it doesn't seem like that's the case with most other teams, but still a possibility down the road nonetheless. And I mean, you're absolutely right. I, I did notice the Cincinnati too. Um, you know, uh, Colorado and Oklahoma. Um, Oregon, you know, Wisconsin playing Notre Dame at Soldier Field. They're playing these cool games. Mm-hmm. I know Ohio State, Oregon was supposed to happen last year in, in Autzen and, and in Eugene. And that was going to be, you know, they, they were projecting the ratings for that to be one of the the biggest college football opener ever. Man. And then this happened. Yeah, it did indeed. It did indeed. Indiana does, though, have serious potential for, like, come down. If if I was ready that first week, oh, last year could have been lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Weird year, for, you know, for some teams floundered for weird reasons. Some teams could have succeeded for weird reasons, and definitely could have been with Indiana the, the case. Body snatched Penn State that first year. All right, which brings us to Iowa. We're almost right at the the hour mark on this, and I don't know if you want to go game by game. But the the line I have for their regular season is 7.5. And I have it right at 7 because I am just horrified with those first two games. I, I just am spinning myself up into that. At my service, I have them at 8.5. And... and um... Do you know when the last time I placed a bet was? Um, oh, we talked about it. I think we did. I do bring this up from time to time. 
I can't remember. It's what, pretty recent. What's it's the a, one you remember? It was, uh, it was a hedge on Houston against Gonzaga in the final four. Uh, okay. Um, or not Gonzaga. Was it Gonzaga or Baylor? I already can't remember. Baylor. Baylor. Um, it was Baylor. And so my account's been drained since that. <laughs> <laughs> um, happenstance. And then in the car ride to golf yesterday or last weekend, we were talking about over. So I decided to pull up the app and, at Iowa at eight and a half, and I put some money back into my account to go ahead and take the under Harrison. So I've been outplaced a bet more recently than sometime in early April, late March. Yeah, I'm- and which is so bad because let me finish oh, a stupid diatribe. I go through this exercise for you, and do you know what number I've got next to Iowa written down here on my legal pad? Oh no, do you have nine? I've got nine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's break it down because like you are now more optimistic than me. And like, I, I come down to, to a couple different things. I, I always kind of bucket it a couple different ways. The first one is like looking at the rivalry games and the rivalry games being Iowa state, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Nebraska. They've gone, They've won at least three of them since 2015. What was it? Patrick Vint said that Kirk Ferentz hasn't lost to Iowa State, Nebraska, or Minnesota since he's turned 60. Incredible. That's just that's just not going to continue. And I have them going one and three in those games with Nebraska being the one win. Then the way I look at it next Oh, how do I normally do it? I normally do Northwestern, Purdue, Penn State, and Indiana. And I have them two and two in those games. Losing to Indiana and Penn State with wins over... It sure is... Huh? It sure is lucky Iowa doesn't play. It sure is lucky Iowa doesn't play the games in the order in which you you go about dissecting the schedule. No, no, no. <laughs> it's the dumbest way to think about it possible. Um, <laughs> so, so those are like the 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 four games that Iowa I fear could trip up because then you look at the bottom four: Kent State, Colorado State, Indiana, or Kent State, Colorado State. Maryland and Illinois and to me those are should be four wins anything less than that is a red flag and like I just don't know like I I, maybe it's just Bart posted the quarterback piece I am in my head about bad Spencer Petrus when in reality he was a fine quarterback and you don't really need to be a good quarterback. You need to have good moments as a quarterback for Iowa to get to eight or nine wins. But I, I just don't. I'm viewing it too binary as I don't think I was going to win the division. So I think they're going to not be that good when it, in reality, seven wins isn't that bad one. And there's a middle ground between being bad and not winning the division. So I think that's where I'm at. 
we often say two things can be true at the same time on this podcast. And here's how I chose to go ahead and look at the schedule. Let's do of it. Iowa's first, of Iowa's first state games, they are coming off a win against seven of those teams. Okay. Um, so there, there's that, uh, which is why I, I don't think it's too outrageous to maybe say six and two, seven and one, in those first eight. Then you get, uh, wow, how did I just lose my place? Then you get Northwestern and, you know, that's always a coin flip. Minnesota, I'm never going to pick Minnesota to lose a football game to Iowa ever in my entire life. And then Iowa lose to Illinois, Minnesota, do you mean? Yeah. I screw that up again. And then and then ending Illinois and Nebraska. I, I'm not – I'm more – I feel much better about losing to Illinois than I do to Nebraska. I don't care. I mean, I understand this would be, what, seven years in a row beating Nebraska? Yeah. That's tough. I mean, it's really tough to to do that. It really is. But that's what I'm saying. Like they, they're riding that momentum, that wave against Iowa State, Minnesota, and Nebraska, and I think they can only carry one of those through. Maybe that's. I mean, that is pessimistic of me. But yeah, of course it is. Um, here's the thing, too. It's like those games have been closer than they should be the Nebraska games. But what, what is yeah. it about Nebraska that's going to make you think that the team's going to be any better than the team that Nebraska's put out in the last six years? Really? That's a great point. I mean, I, I think the fear would be if Iowa's tackles never come together. And if they lose depth along or don't have the depth along the defensive line, but Iowa historically has still been able to beat Nebraska in that way, like a drum, like you look at, what was it? Was it 2016, 2017 when they won 40, 10 and 56, 14, just by sitting on them, like just bully ball, 100, like, essentially had five guards as their offensive line and they just ran through them. Yeah. I mean, that's why I have them beating Nebraska. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't think you really need much more reason than that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think what looking at it from a binary perspective, loss, loss to start, it just sets such a weird tone for it, but we know that Iowa can spin out around that. They can turn that around. They get Kent State and Colorado State to figure it out in a way that they don't have to necessarily go and play a third straight power five caliber team. It's just maybe maybe I should just have them beat Indiana. Because that that would that would fit more of the narrative of what we described earlier, where a quarterback with some level of Heisman narrative is immediately put to bed by an Iowa defense. And wouldn't be the first time, won't be the last. And that would put him at eight for me over the seven point five. There you go. Talking your way on the line to nine already. <laughs> Talking my way to nine. 
Yeah, because then, uh-huh. then, I mean, the, the easy one to flip is Minnesota. After that. Super easy. How do we feel about about the Iowa State game right now? Oh, I hate it. I The problem with, I guess, for the same reason you like Nebraska maybe to win this year, it's, it'll be six years in a row. And Matt Campbell still hasn't ever beaten Kirk Ferentz. I mean, that levy's got to break, right? And here's the problem. I don't see a world where we beat Indiana but lose to Iowa State. But I definitely see one where we lose both those games. Does, oh, interesting. Uh, does that make sense? Does so, that make sense? So you feel good about if IU or if Iowa beats IU, you feel good about we that momentum carrying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, Iowa probably has a legitimately good ball club if they beat Indiana. And then they get one more game before Iowa State. That's a great point. No, it's it's Indiana and then Iowa State. It's back-to-back. Yeah. But they flush it pretty well sometimes. Yeah. It would be. That's a good point, is that if Iowa beats Indiana, they are a good football team. Whereas if we lose to Indiana and then Iowa State, starting that seat year to zero and two is going to be tough. Luckily, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean that, that's just where I come, I come down to it is like, especially to get to nine wins, right? Like you have it. If I, I, I there's just no conceivable way Iowa can lose to Indiana and Iowa State and still get to nine. That just doesn't feel plausible. No. Okay. Well, I guess that was over unders. Um, do we need to re we'll, <laughs> we'll recap it in whatever post we put up for this. We have, I don't know, it's, we're at 69 minutes right now. And one thing I did want to wow. discuss briefly was Brian Ferentz's podcast with, um, mm. God likes to cow first three hours, way too long, but I'm going to listen to it, uh, on my way to Iowa this week. So uh, just putting, putting that out there, going to manifest it. Um, you love promoting our competitors so much. Hey, hater. Yeah, I mean, sorry. <sighs> Anyways, <laughs> the, the quote that he teased and the thing that has me interested is, and maybe now's not the time to unpack it because we're, already a little longer than I like to be. But here's what Brian Farron said. I've had opportunities to go other places over the years. And frankly, I've probably stayed here too long. Like professionally, I might have crushed my career at some point, but every Saturday at Kinnick is worth it to me. It's worth it to me because this place is special. Coaching here is special. Being on the field around Hawkeye fans, it's awesome. So all the other stuff, I don't know how I could be mad. How can you go around being upset and being mad? Too many coaches do that. Enjoy life. Life's good, man. Brian Ferentz is at his absolute ceiling as a coach right now. And it seems like he doesn't understand that because I was going through like the sliding doors and the one sliding door that is out there was when he was rumored to join Bill O'Brien's staff in 2014 as the offensive line coach of the Houston Texans. And there's maybe now don't get me wrong. Like 
we've talked about it before with Foster going college to pro. It's a promotion to be an offensive line coach in the NFL versus an offensive line coach in college. But I don't th- see there's think there's a scenario where he elevates above that. There was kind of an offensive coordinator at times. I looked at this on Bill O'Brien's staff, but he called the plays. He did that stuff. Maybe there's a chance that Brian would have been the offensive coordinator um, at some point, but his life could not be better professionally or personally. I truly believe that. And it's wild to me that he's framing this as it could, because I just don't see a situation that could be better for him. At first I thought you were going the other way, but now we're on the same page. I agree. Um, It's just, I mean, it's sort of a mimics art, you know, with just succession and other, other media and in real life, you know, look at make of families and everything. It's like, they don't want to be away. He grew up in this environment. It's all he knows. And now he's gone from being a grunt to one heart weight, heartbeat away from being the five-star general of this whole operation that, that he's really been a part of. And he, I don't think, I mean, maybe he, he probably did dodge a bullet staying away from Bill O'Brien, right? <laughs> For being honest, being and staying away from the Houston Texans organization. I mean, maybe that was probably an easier decision than than we think, right? Especially staring at how that organization's lo- looking right now. I mean, maybe he could smell that, and that's smart if he was able to do that. I mean. Literally, the GM for the for the Houston Texans right now is a guy who's never done anything in football, isn't it? I, I generally don't know, but like he he. I'd have to look it up, but yeah. My my guy Mike Devlin was the offensive coordinator that they hired the year after they hired some guy and then he retired. And, and I did way too much research on this. This is dumb of me, but like Mike Devlin had that job throughout all of Bill O'Brien's tenure. So like he he presumably you can say that's what Brian would have done, but. To me, like, I, I don't know. Like, I just don't see how personally or for, like if he were to have been an offensive coordinator in the NFL, he would have been thrown to the curb so quickly because his game plans that first year in 2017 were so hit or miss that it would have driven people crazy with how bad they were and how, how it kind of continued through you know, a little bit in 2018, even though they scored a bunch of points and 2019 was a bad offense, but like good at something. So I just, it, it seems weird to frame it as like, oh, I could be elsewhere, but I love being here. It's like, this is the best, right? I mean, everyone to your point aspires to have the type of job control like you know just stability job stability like i mean i i just i just it did, i didn't get that one bit for for him to like frame it as oh i could be elsewhere because like i mean i don't think he'd be in any better position elsewhere any to your point he's a heartbeat away oh i mean he maybe he just said to placate people like us and also from like a financial standpoint too you know what what is an offensive line what does an offensive line coach make compared to an offensive than he does um and all those incentives built in and everything and 
Um, I was going to say living in Houston was cheaper than Iowa City, but I highly doubt that. Um, so, I mean, maybe from that standpoint, maybe um, maybe there's other parts of living in Iowa City he doesn't like, too. But, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. And I, I'm talk about being cynical. I, I, I really, I don't see a circumstance outside of absolute and utter disaster where Brian Ferentz is the next, is not the next head coach. I really do. So I think maybe I've already, it's sad, but maybe I've already just come to terms with it too. And I, which is why I kind of put blinders on to just about everything he says, because there's nothing, there's no, there's no point in reacting one way or the other to, to his words or actions, I think, because that's sort of how it's going to be. And I mean, by yeah, I mean, I, I think that, Kirk looks like someone who's probably going to coach for at least five more years. I still, I still contend like he's, he's still on a five-year plan. Like I, I just don't think that. And if Brian's presumably his number two for the rest of that, like I, I think he doesn't even need to leave anymore to. That, that seals a deal. If he's with, if he's on campus for five more years, you have to assume Kirk did a halfway decent job in those five years. And if, and so that way you could say Brian's been on the coaching staff for it'll be 10 years then 10 or 12 years. So, and he's good. He's going to retain Phil for the next, however long and yeah. it'll be, it'll be like an anoint an anointing and oh, stupid words. Why do I keep saying them? Um, the, the one thing that does linger is like him being a named defendant in the lawsuit that exists. And that's 2023. So let's, Let's have a moratorium on culture talk until that is a year away. That's kind of maybe the the takeaway that I need to have. Leave the negative vibes in this podcast, positive vibes only, until Iowa kicks off against Indiana. Cool. Do you have a take? Do you have a countdown set up anywhere for it? For my oh, for, for uh, culture talk to reemerge, I don't. No, I meant I meant days until Indiana. Oh, uh, what is it? No, I can't do the math right now. Thirty-five days, so okay. thirty. Oh, I guess early. That's it. Wow, thirty something. Yeah, August uh, or September second, so tw- twenty-nine days. Oh, okay. Tw- cool. Alrighty, so that's it, Ben. That's it. Do you have any final thoughts? No. This was, we'll, we'll let the kids go to sleep. Fair enough. All right. For Ben Ross, for Harrison Starr, go Hawks. Go Hawks. <laughs>